Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Tennessee. Anybody, anybody else grow up in Tennessee? Where are my Tennessee people? Anybody? Oh, my dad. Right, because <laughs> that's where he raised me in, in Tennessee. We lived in Nashville. We actually lived in Franklin, just south of Nashville. But I understand. So I understand a little bit something about the WWF. Now, when I was growing up, it was called the WWF, right? It was a different thing at the time. Everybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Professional. Oh, Sorry, I realize that Ashley gets my sermon ahead of time, so she's got her Ric Flair shirt on and said that she would, Charlotte Flair, so she's, sorry, so she's decided that uh, there's a number of times that she gets to do this during the sermon, now is one of them ready, set, go. Fantastic. I loved it, man, when I was growing up and watching it on Saturday mornings. It felt like it came on Saturdays or Sundays, and the guys would be yelling at each other, and they'd be talking, and of course, they'd have the one guy with the, what was his name? He was kind of like balding, and he always had the mic there. Do you know what I'm talking about? And they'd always rip the mic out of his hand, and they'd be talking to somebody, and they'd get up in the camera like this, and it was all intense and fantastic. And then they'd start throwing each other around the ring. This wrestling was just incredible. And I grew up watching this cartoon. Do any of you guys remember this? 1985 to 1986 was Hulk Hogan what was it, rock and wrestling. That's what it was. And it was like a really big deal. These guys were solving mysteries. They were doing all kinds of stuff. It was a super diverse crowd, too, which was fantastic. As a 1980s kid, you didn't see that in a lot of places. But this wrestling, it was fantastic, and it lasted like one season. <laughs> I was always fascinated by Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant was my guy. Do you remember the movie that he played in where you really got to know Andre the Giant? Which was it? Yes. I mean, and he was just this massive man. He had these hands that were just huge, and I was a huge fan of this. As a matter of fact, when I was in uh, Charlotte Airport as a kid, Dad and I were flying somewhere. Dad was a pilot, so we, we flew a lot of places. And we're walking down the airport. Now, now as we walk through the airport, this is something my dad and I have. We have airport walking speed. You know what I'm talking about? There's a difference between like just walking in like a mall and walking in the airport. You walk with a purpose when you're in the airport. Where's my other folks that work in the airline industry? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, like you're moving. I mean, you figure out which way you're going to walk. And sometimes you got to bob and weave around people. And every time we would be going through, Dad would be like, cut left, cut left, cut right cut right, and you go down these people and we get around, and I was walking, I was in my zone, right? I'm walking through the airport, I'm in my zone, and all of a sudden he goes, oh son, watch out! And all of a sudden, boom, I smack right in the middle of somebody's belly, all right? Now I was a little kid, smack right in the middle of somebody's belly. I kid you not, it was Hulk Hogan. And all of a sudden, like all these thoughts and feelings about the, 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 the shows and seeing if he's going to rip his shirt off, he's going to take me out, right there. And he looks, uh, he looks down and he goes, that's okay, little buddy. <laughs> it keeps on going. It was amazing. I ran into Hulk Hogan. As a matter of fact, it was a big deal because we reunited some years later in the ring. I think I got a picture of it, of me taking him on. That's me right there on the left. <laughs> Oh, man, I moved here, and I got a chance. I got invited when I came to Charlotte. I got invited to go to, um, what was it? it? What was it, Monday Night Raw? Monday Night Raw. I went to Monday Night Raw. Anybody been to that? Let me hear you. Have you ever seen it on TV? You know what it is? Just say yeah. All right. Oh, there she is. I think the over-under on the woos that we're going to get is like five today. So just prepare yourselves now for that. And it was awesome. It was so much fun. But I was educated that in North Carolina, it is not called professional wrestling. It is called professional wrestling. 
That's exactly right. Wrestling. I remember wrestling when I was younger. As a matter of fact, this was actually something that I think as a kid you just kind of do. Now, did any of you grow up with siblings that you got into wrestling matches with? Right? Did any of you guys have, I see a lot of hands going up. Did any of you guys have like uh, those, well, some of y'all were throwing punches, all right? I know, I know who you are. But I remember when I was growing up, that like there were, there were rules to how this went. Because like if you had a friend and y'all got kind of into it, or a brother, and y'all got kind of into it, or a sister, and you would start wrestling, there were, there were rules about it. Because there's a difference between fighting and wrestling, right? I mean, fighting has got a particular purpose. It is kill or be killed, correct? Wrestling is something a little bit different. You're kind of just working out to the end whatever the frustrations are that you guys got going on. And I had this young friend of mine, and I'm going to tell you, uh, I'll change his name to protect the innocent. I'll call him Jeremy, all right? And so Jeremy and I, uh, we used to play uh, video games together. We played guitar together. We were great friends. But every once in a while, we would be together just a little too long. You know what I'm talking about? And you would get into that zone, and all of a sudden he would say or do something, and I'm like, oh, it's go time. We're going to do this now. And I remember we got into a wrestling match. But right before we got into a wrestling match, there, there, were, there were rules, all right? There was, there was rules, because in a relationship, this is kind of a normal thing, that you have a little bit of wrestling that goes on. It's expected. It's even kind of healthy. But this particular place, it was really important because there were rules. There's no hitting. Okay? You, can't, you can't punch anybody, and there's no injuries, right? If somebody gets hurt, you just immediately you stop. It's timeout. You ever, do you remember timeouts and those kind of things? Can you imagine doing that in, like the, in the ring with Hulk Hogan? Hey, 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 uh, timeout. <laughs> it wouldn't really work. Also, no low blows. Can we agree on that? No low blows. You know what I'm talking about? Just say, yeah. Even on accident, it's over, right? So we started wrestling, right? We started going, I mean, chairs falling over. We bumped into the table with the, the, his parents' fancy Mac computer on it, and the Mac <laughs> wobbled like that because it was all one machine at the time and because I'm old. And we're, and we're wrestling on the ground. And, of course, I won. Why are y'all laughing? <laughs> but when it was over, we ate Doritos and played video games. That was just it. It was just part of, like, the thing. Wrestling in a relationship is okay. Wrestling in a relationship. Now, I'm not really just talking about physical, right? I'm talking about more the mental wrestling. As you sort of work things out together in relationships, sometimes you come to a place of disagreement or frustration where you've got to figure out some kind of resolution. Now, the difference is fighting assumes division. Wrestling assumes resolution. Everybody got it? Fighting assumes division. Wrestling assumes resolution. And there's a big difference between fighting and wrestling. I have um, married couples that I do uh, marriage counseling for all the time, right? It's just part of, the, part of what we do. And one of the things that we talk about is not so much, it's not so much if you're going to argue as a couple in your relationship. It's more about how you're going to argue in your relationship. And the truth is that it's in all relationships. It's not if you're going to come to, 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 to head against head on some things. It's how you're going to do that. Rather than fighting, we seek ways to kind of just wrestle, work together to figure out ultimately some kind of resolution. I'm going to read some scripture to you as we're walking through Genesis. This is um, Genesis 35, 9 through 15. Um, and so if you're turning in your Bibles, I want you to turn with me. Um, if you have your C... Uh, CBE. Do you guys know where that is in the CBE? Does somebody have those pages? 
No, that's okay. That's okay. But it's Genesis chapter 35. Some people pull it up on their phones. That's okay. I'd love you to be looking at scripture with us. If you don't have any of those things, that's not something you want to do. Um, Ashley is so good to have it on the screen for us. After Jacob returned from Padanaram, everybody say Padanaram. God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at a place where God had talked to him and he poured out a drink offering on it and he also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked to him, Bethel. Everybody say, this is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Jacob was one of the most famous wrestlers in all of history, right? The only one that we read about who wrestled who? Yes. Jacob's life, like the entirety of his life, was all about his terms. It was all about what Jacob wanted. It was all about what Jacob needed. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. I'll just highlight a few of them. One was him trying to marry Rachel. Do you guys remember this? And there was a big problem with this because she was his first what? Cousin. Everybody say, ew. <laughs> he even tried to trick his dad, Isaac, into getting in, uh, giving him uh, Esau's birthright. And he actually did that. He actually came and, and, and sort of uh, faked like he was Esau so he could get his, his older brother's birthright. I mean, like, this dude is jacked up. There's all kinds of stories here. But one of the things we know is that consistently Jacob never was about, I'm just going to trust the Lord. I'm going to follow in the paths of the Lord. Jacob was just all kinds of messed up. He wasn't the best guy. And I've noticed that there's a bit of a theme in Scripture. If you tuned out, tune back in. That God has a tendency to use some messed up people. Say amen. 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 But see, here's what's going on in the Scripture. Folks are starting to die off in this family of his. And Jacob's getting older and older, and he's starting to think about how he is going to be the one that provides for the generations to come. I mean, it's starting to fall on him, this responsibility level is starting to fall on Jacob. The more it feels like his decisions matter, more and more it's living his life beyond just his own life. And this only increases as time goes on. It's a new kind of wrestling match for him internally. We know that Jacob was the one that wrestled the angel and it said the angel was overcome. That Jacob went face to face, head to head with God. And at the very end, has God in a headlock, which is just surreal to think about. And won't let him go until God blesses him. Changes his name. Man. There's a really cool note about this. Jacob's name was changed from Jacob to what? Does anybody remember? Wow, you guys are on fire today. Yes, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And does anybody remember what that actually means, the name Israel? One who wrestles with God. Say that, one who wrestles with God. Then later on, throughout Scripture, the entire people of God are called Israel. Now think about that for just a minute. 
That label of Jacob, the one who wrestled God, who came to a point who had a super frustrating moment with God, so much so that it changed him and probably had something to do with how God interpreted the rest of God's people going forward, that the entirety of the people were named Israel, one who wrestles with God. Look at somebody and say, you a wrestler. We're constantly wrestling with God, aren't we? We're constantly asking those questions. God, why? Why isn't this working out like I wanted to? Why is it not working out on my terms? Why is it that I've got to walk so far just to make it one step forward? God, why? And God knows all of this about all of us. And yet God still loves us still wants us, still pursues us, still calls us close when we're scared, when we're in need, gives us what we need. Make sure that we have breath and life and healing and hope and promise. That's the God who we worship. Brothers and sisters, that's the God who knows us, loves us, claims us, even though we are just a messed up group of people that is constantly wrestling with God. God knows us and yet still loves and adores us. Even though Jacob has been a wrestler with God, God has big plans for him. And he comes to him here for a very specific purpose, right here in the scripture. God loved Jacob, and it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Jacob was a messed up dude, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You would think that this would be the last person that God would want to have anything to do with, but God loves him. Jacob was a world-class liar and a power-hungry screw-up. I'm going to meet him one day. He's going to be mad. I said, <laughs> but God loved him anyway, because God has big plans for him to be the father many nations so we look at that scripture and we see what God does and in this scripture God does three things in particular three things the first one he appears it says God appeared that's right at the very first of verse 9 after Jacob returned from Padan Aram everybody say Padan Aram God appeared to him now why is that important why does that ultimately matter well, and how, maybe. See, the details aren't super important, but what's important is the fact that God was present. Not a messenger, not a vision, not a dream. God was present in this moment. That's the first thing. God appeared. The second thing happens. It says he blesses him. I spent all kinds of time wondering and trying to figure out what this ultimately meant, that God blesses him, right? It said God appeared to him and blessed him. Super small, very succinct, just a few words, but that, what a wonderful and incredible experience that must have been to have God of all creation not only appear to you, but then bless you? I mean, think about that for just a second. What an incredible thing that is, and yet it's so short, it's almost like we forget it even happens because we just skip right on past it. But the details aren't really important. What is important is that God probably should have come to him in judgment, creating fear, fixing him, getting him to turn around, smacking him around. God appeared to him, and his whole room was a mess, and he had words for him. But no, he appears in love and grace with a blessing. Y'all, this man is jacked up and God comes with a blessing 
The third thing, he appears to him, he blesses him, and the third thing, he speaks. God speaks and says, I will change your name. I will make you be fruitful and increase in number. I will make nations come from you. I will give you a place to live. I will provide for you and all that comes after you. Brothers and sisters, these are the terms of the relationship that God has with Israel going forward. God's promises are the foundation for Israel, for God's people going forward from this moment to remind him that God is provident, that God sticks to what God says God's going to do. And God brought him all of this way, not to just drop him off and leave him at the side of the road because he's a messed up person, but to pick him back up, change who he is, and then send him back out the door to do God's work for the rest of history, including all of us in this room. Somebody say amen. amen. But here's the thing. Hmm. We wrestle with God too. We've been adopted into the people that are called Israel, ones who wrestle with God. We are just as jacked up and messed up as Jacob was. And yet God, in God's great abundance, appears to us here in this place says, I will be with you where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am also. And finds in each and every one of us that broken heart and blesses it and makes it whole. And then sends us forth saying, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how broken you may have been. I don't care how much you've dropped the ball. I don't care how many people you cut off in traffic. I don't care what you said in that relationship that you probably shouldn't have said. I will heal those things. I will heal who you are, and I'm going to use you anyway. I don't care how messed up you are. Matter of fact, I'm going to use how messed up you are to reach other people that are just as messed up as you are. I'm going to put you in communities of circles of people where you can speak love and life and grace and mercy and guaranteed I will never ever abandon you. I will walk with you and I will bring people to me through you. I will make you a father or a mother or a sister or a brother to many nations of people from here going forward. And brothers and sisters, that's God's promise then. That's God's promise in this story. That's God's promise to us now, today, and will be forever. Can I preach this morning? I'm going to break a sweat. God appears to us, too, and encounters us in all of the difficult places, the places where we feel least worthy, no matter how much mess we've created. God changes our name. I, uh, I, I played for years when I was in seminary with uh, a guy named Chandler and a, a girl named Jill in a band called Boy Wonder, and we put this album out. It's on Spotify, as a matter of fact, if you ever want to go look for it. Boy Wonder, all one word. Um, it's not great music, but we had a lot of fun doing it. We had a lot of fun doing it. And we talked about this one sort of concept when we would go and talk to kids about what God is doing in baptism. And one of the songs says, well, it talks about how our name has changed. So just, just bear with me for a minute. This is what I used to do with kids, and so I know it's a little kiddish, but let's just have some fun. Everybody, can we, can we go together on this one little thing? All right. So I want you to put your finger up in the air, all right, like this. And I want you to, to, to write your name, first name, in the air. Ready, set, go. Just write it in the air. M-A-T-T. Fantastic. Now, fingers down. All right, shake it off. Everybody good? Get loose. Because the next part is going to be even more difficult, at least as far as I can tell. I want you to write your last name in the air. Ready, set, go. 
Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm seeing all kinds of squiggly marks everywhere. Brothers and sisters, your last name is written like this. Up, down, left, right. Write your last name in the air. Up, down, left, right. In the waters of baptism, God changes our name, claims us as God's own, calls us Brett, child of God, Sam, child of God, Joe, child of God, Mallory, child of God. Our last name changes. God takes what messed up we were and renews that every time. Martin Luther says, every time you splash water on your face, remember that God changed your name. Remember that God claimed you. Remember that God will be there even when you're doing the messed up stuff that you do. Even when you stare in the mirror and you think, how jacked up am I? Why in the world would this God love me enough to stick by me? Remember who God is. Remember God's promise because our God isn't just provident in all of our needs. Our God isn't just provident in grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and life and food. Our God is provident in promise. God is provident in the promises that God made that never, ever go away. God knows we're going to wrestle a little bit. God knows we're going to take a while to fix. God knows that we're full of flaws, but just like Jacob, God is provident in promise. Doesn't back down out of it when God could easily change God's mind and head in a thousand other directions than to keep messing with us. But God is provident in God's promise. Somebody say amen. All right, so I want you to take a minute as a congregation. We're talking more, if you haven't noticed this. I want you to take two or three minutes with the people around you. And if you're one of my introverts in the house, you can just say, oh, you go ahead and start. That's the key. That's how it works. You go ahead and start, all right? But I want you to answer these two couple of questions. Ashley, do we have them up? When was a time you wrestled God? And we'll keep them going back and forth. And when was a time somebody stood by you? I want you to just share a couple of these little stories. If you got one, if you don't, just say, man, I can't think of anything at the moment. <laughs> but I want you to try to think about a moment where God, where you wrestle with God, or where somebody stood by you. And we'll keep those questions going back and forth. Groups of three or four, trying to get beyond your family, not just your family, all right? Pull some people in, three, four, five, not just your family. Ready to go. sticking by you? Did you hear stories of grace? Did you hear stories of redemption? See, that's gospel. So this little guy, then the twos, that's all I have to say about that. And there are occasions where, uh, with all my kids, we, uh, we wrestle. trying to figure out, you know, how to be a dad of a, a high school kid, and, and yet my second high school kid's way different than the first one, so I got to learn all over again. And this guy would probably have some wrestling matches. Surely not, he's way too cute for that. But just a second ago, I, I went to go sit over there, and um, he's climbing right up on me. 
and just pulled me in close and hugged on me. And that's the way God holds us. Just like a, just like a parent holds a child. Close. And God wants every bit of who we are. He makes promises to never abandon us. To hold us close and keep us safe. And to bring forth many a nation through each and every one of us. Amen. Pray with me if you will. Good and gracious God, you meet us, Lord, in the messed up of who we are. With grace, mercy, and redemption, and life. And you hold us close. You wrap your arms around us so that we might not hurt, so that we might not feel like we have to wander away. And you love us and bring us home. Your providence is our promises are true. And you're provident and promise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children say. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.